Hello and welcome to Your Life Choices podcast, part of Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the over 50s. A few days ago, I was watching Insight on SBS, a program dealing with ageism, and one of the guests was Louise DeFrancesco, Senior Corporate Communications and Director of Over50StillFabulous.com.au. And when it comes to ageism, Louise has an incredible tale to tell of her own journey and a few other isms thrown in for good measure. And I thought that Louise's wisdom and insight could be of great benefit to the Your Life Choices family. I'm happy to say Louise has agreed to join us today. And let me start with her quote, ageism in the Australian workforce is not a myth, it is alive and thriving. And if anybody should know firsthand, it's Louise DeFrancesco. Welcome to Your Life Choices, Louise. Thanks, John. Great to have you on the show. You have a very interesting past. So before we get into the into the present and the future, tell me about your past. Um, I was a journalist for 13, 14 years. Then I ran and owned two PR companies for about 25 years with a variety of clients. I was publicity director of Australian Fashion Week for five years. I've had a very, very long path. Excellent. And I want to know more about uh, your journalistic career as a uh, entertainment, was it doing television or uh, entertainment generally? Yeah, in 1988, I had the most fantastic year. In 1988, Skase owned seven, Bond owned nine, and the Lowys owned 10. I was television editor of the Daily Telegraph, and we spent the best year in 1988 when everyone was chasing headlines and we had the most fantastic year. How we all survived that year, I'm not quite sure, but we did all manage to survive that year. It was also the year that the ABC had Bush Tucker Man, which I think still rates as the highest TV rating program on the ABC to date. So there you go. I remember 1988 very clearly because when Christopher Scase came in, uh, swooped into Channel 7, it was party time. Uh, Money, champagne and caviar were flowing very, very freely and uh, it was a good time had by all but until the bubble burst. Until uh, the bubble burst, how did we survive? Oh my gosh, didn't we have a great party? Wasn't it fabulous? What were some of the people you interacted with? Can you give us a a couple of insights? gosh. Everyone in the Australian television industry, everyone. And also overseas people, they flew in. Um, I remember I was so disappointed because I was an avid Dallas fan and I was so disappointed <laughs> in Larry Hagman, who was out here. Out, look, Grump, grumpy so old, many people. Gr- grumpy old bastard. He was absolutely horrible. <laughs> he was just ghastly. And he sat through the whole interview holding um, a portable fan in the foyer of the Regent Hotel. I remember doing A Day in the Life of Molly Meldrum, who I spent 24 hours with, nearly killed me. I met him at 6am and ran around Melbourne in his black roller, as he had in the day. And uh, he started on radio in Melbourne, so I met him in the studio. And then we went to the ABC production studio for his production meeting for Countdown. And he accidentally let slip that Prince Charles was going to be on his show. And so I scooped with that one. Wow. That infamous interview that he did with Prince Charles where he he was so freaked out he couldn't actually get any words out. That's exactly right. And then at night we went on the Yarra River on a boat launch record thing with Sting. So that was a pretty eventful day. That was a good one to do. 
And I'm thinking that uh, Paddy Mosden holding court at the Siebel Townhouse, Louise. With Elton John planning his wedding. Will we ever forget that? <laughs> I guess all the publicists would have been uh, crawling all over you like a rash trying to get uh, column space in the in the paper. Absolutely. But there were some extraordinary publicists. <laughs> Extraordinary publicist. Patty Molston is one of a kind. Oh, yeah, she certainly was. And did you find them that, you know, basically, okay, I need you, you need me, let's all work together? Look, in those days, it was a completely different environment, I think, because we didn't have social media, did we? No. So I think social media has changed the landscape so, so much. In those days, we were always um, polite to each other and always, you know, did did the best we could for each other. In these days of social media, I think the whole landscape's completely changed and the whole environment's completely changed and so the whole industry's changed. Louise, do you do you find that a lot of your contemporaries still live in the past as opposed to going, okay, I still want to be active, I still want to do something, but they find it hard to transition? There's certainly a portion do and I think that's an interesting point because I think a lot of people as they age become their own worst enemies. Mm. They... Yeah. They propagate the, oh, my God, I can't get out of this chair. I'm so old. Oh, no, I'm too old to do that. I'm too old to learn that. No, not really interested in that. Rather than throwing themselves into absolutely every opportunity that to keep them young. A classic example was yesterday I went down to my local butcher who's 80. He's fit as a family bull and he works six days a week. And when he's not working, just in his quote-unquote spare time, he is building a house. Now, he is someone who embraces every minute of life, looks fantastic, looks incredibly young. He's still fit as because he carries those ginormous sides of beef all the time, but he throws himself in there. There's a story today in the Wall Street Journal about people still working over 80, which I've posted on my LinkedIn. It is a story about amazing women. One woman was a baker working in a bakery and got offered another job running the bakery at a local supermarket. So she's over 80 and every morning she's up at 4 a.m. to bake. It's attitude. It's attitude and your attitude to ageing, I think, that makes the, the a biggest difference. You are on all the socials, so go you. And I'm just looking at one of uh, the quotes here. Women over 50 have it all experience. Sass and energy. We encourage, we inspire, and, and we celebrate and connect women to realise their true potential. As you also quote here, Lauren Bacall, who said, I'm not a has been, I'm a will be. Your positive attitude, Louise, is something that should be bottled and, and sold. I think anybody can have a positive attitude, John. It's how you feel when you get up in the morning. If you make a, an effort to be positive and not complain, just make an effort to be positive. We are so damn lucky. We live in the best country in the world. We have a fantastic lifestyle in this country. We should be celebrating every day, and we should be celebrating every day when we wake up, really. I had a heart attack in 2021, an almost fatal heart attack. Now, did that change me? No, not really. It didn't change me, but so many people have come up to me and said, did it change you? No, it didn't change me. What it, it, I've always been enthusiastic about life, and I think that is an absolute key to two things are really important. Keep moving physically, keep walking, keep moving, get out of that chair, move. Move for 10,000 steps a day or just move. It doesn't have to be 10,000 steps a day is number one. Number two, embrace every opportunity you can possibly get 
And number three, have friends and family around you. Go out of your way to make friends. Go to groups. Go to social things, even though it's an effort at times. At times it's an effort and you think, oh, my God, I can't be bothered doing this. I'd rather sit on the couch and watch Netflix. No, no, no. Get up, get out, move. Were your parents that way? Oh, God, yeah. You see, yeah, my mother, yeah. my mother in particular, was very, very active. She died at ninety-five, and my grandmother died at one hundred and four. <laughs> what are you doing, having heart attacks uh, in two thousand and twenty-one? That's stupid. <laughs> Stop that now. It was a very weird one-off event, nothing to do with a heart disease. Thank God, it was a weird one-off event, which will probably never happen again, and could only happen to me, and was supposedly only happens in women under fifty. So there you go. But I also think that. You have to make an effort. And, you know, it's really important that you that you keep engaged. A lot of people say to me, oh, I can't do that, or technology fails them. Oh, no, I can't use Instagram or I can't use Facebook. That's complete bollocks. Go and learn. You know, I've met an amazing person who was on the Insight program on SBS, and she had gone to her local council and found free yoga lessons three times a week. So she went off to that. And people, you've got to engage yourself within the community. Another lady that I met, I wrote an opinion piece for the Sydney Morning Herald, and she happened to ring me. And her husband had died. She had no family here. She was in the 60s, and she was lonely. And she wanted to do something, but she said, I'll never get a job. And I said to her, what do you like doing? And she said, oh, I don't do anything. And I said, but what have you done in the past? Oh, I didn't do anything. I cooked for my family. And I said, so do you like cooking? Oh, I love cooking. So what I said, suggested to her was she put a sign, a notice, down in the local supermarket for time-poor families that she would cook them dinner and they could pick it up on their way home. Oh, this wow. was five or six years ago. She's now got a thriving business. And also that's given her social interaction with those families. She's now become a pseudo-grandmother to half the kids. But it's totally engaged her. It's because... I think a lot of people don't think outside the box, don't realise what their skill set might be and don't think, okay, what could I do? Now, that one single advertisement, she started off with two or three people and she's now got this thriving business and she loves it. She can do it all from home and it's given her a, a social and a community interaction she wouldn't have had. When watching the Insight program and watching you on the Insight program on SBS, and I would recommend uh, folks go back and have a look at that particular episode, you told an incredible tale talking of employment uh, when you went to go for a job. Oh, that was that was something else. So when my youngest child left school, graduated from high school and went to university, I decided I wanted to do something for myself. So in 2015, I summited Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. And in 2017, I trekked to Everest Space Camp. As you do. As you do. And I came back to Australia and my eldest daughter said to me, Mum, for God's sake, go and do something you're bored. <laughs> and I thought, okay, for the first time I'll do an internal communications role. I'd always run communications companies and I just thought I'd walk in there and get a job. So I put my name down to be interviewed by one of the top recruiters in the country in this area turned up, it was a woman in her 40s who was a director of the company, no less, who was absolutely atrociously rude to me, who looked at my CV and told me it was needed a lot of work. I had been extremely careful about a CV because I hadn't written one for 30 years. 
So I got some help with that, but apparently well, that wasn't good enough. And she'd marked it like a school project in red pen. Wow. And then she asked me what sort of comms job I'd be interested in. And when I told her, she just looked at me in horror and said, oh, no, 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 no. You're very mid-tier. And I thought, okay, this is going well. And finally, after about 12 minutes, I thought, you know what, I'm wasting the time. So I got up to leave. And as I walked out the door, she's behind me. And she said, can I give you a few other tips? And by this time, I'm like, oh, yeah, bring it on, (laughs) whatever. And I'm walking out the door. And from behind me, she said, your lipstick's too bright, your perfume's too strong, and you're inappropriately dressed. And I just absolutely burst out laughing, got in the lift, went down, and I chuckled for about a week. Now, I wear red lipstick. That's my trademark red lipstick. Perfume too strong? Oh, please. I had an Anthea Crawford dress on, and apparently the fact that my arms were bare would offend some CEO and he'd never employ me. God help us. So I laughed for about a week, too. I thought it was hilarious. But after that, I just I got really angry about it. If I had been someone who really desperately needed a job, who was coming back from mat leave, who'd been retrenched, who was really seeking a job, I tell you, it would have absolutely crucified you. And that made me really angry. So a couple of years ago, Josh Frydenberg had announced a thing to retrain older people, which is fair enough. I thought it was a great initiative, except no point retraining anyone if you can't get a job. So I wrote an opinion piece for the Herald, and that opened an avalanche of correspondence to me I probably got 250 something people calling me or writing to me with the most disgusting stories of ageism Mm. absolutely dreadful I was quite surprised because the other isms in our society racism sexism for example you absolutely would not counter for one second in a workplace not for one second But so many people told me that they were relieved of their positions because and had been told they were too old. And so many people told me that they had been retrenched from their positions and two weeks later, someone 30 years younger was put in there. It was an avalanche. I was absolutely shocked at some of the stories I heard. One particular one was a very well-known CEO, a household Australian name most people would recognise, and he only spoke to me if I managed to keep it anonymous. He was 55, walked into the boardroom one day, and he was dismissed. Two years later, he was still unemployed. He had been using his super, and his wife said to him, we can't do this. You need to go and register at Centrelink. He went down to Centrelink, And this man, who's a household name, was told he couldn't get Centrelink unless he did a one-week course on how to write a CV. Now, really? I mean, it was just... And he told me that he couldn't get a job for another three years. He never went back to Centrelink. And he said the only reason he didn't commit suicide was because every day he swam two hours in a pool and he could put his head under the water and just not think about it. The sad thing about it was that that wasn't unusual. A lot of the stories I heard were just awful. There was a woman who was 48, a single mother in Melbourne, PhD, three children. She had applied for 74 jobs and had not heard back or been acknowledged at all from any of them. It was just appalling. 
Oh, at 72, I'm very happy I'm still, you know, <laughs> gainfully employed uh, doing bits and pieces. It shouldn't be like this. All those isms. I thought there was a law against um, discrimination when it came to age. There is, and that is another very interesting point. When I started this whole venture, I talked to a lot of HR people and HR people said, yeah, they've given quotas of things like this and they openly admit that they're never held to account with these quotas. So unless boards and management have accountability and have set in stone that they will employ four people over 50 for this year or whatever, there's no accountability. So it doesn't matter how, if you retrain, it doesn't matter if it's part of the corporate culture, unless HR departments and unless management is accountable for employing older people, it's not going to happen. The standout, I think, is Bunnings, who employ a lot of older people. And they're fantastic to go to because, well, as you say, they have over 600 months of experience if you're over 50, you've lived on the planet roughly 2,600 weeks, 18,000 plus days, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And do you know what? <laughs> I don't know if this is reverse ageism, but when I go to Bunnings and I need a question answered, I usually go to the older people. So do I. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If I can find an old bloke to help me, I'll, I'll go there. In so many ways, Louise, in so many ways. Um, and <laughs> is that why you started Over 50 Still Fabulous? I really started this because it breaks my heart that people, men and women, particularly women, think once they're over 50, they're on the scrap heap. Mm. And I have conversations about this all the time. I had a conversation very recently on a Saturday night at a party with the most gorgeous looking girl. She's absolutely sensational. She's about to turn 50. She's a single mum who's worked all her life, struggled to pay off a mortgage, two gorgeous daughters. She didn't want to celebrate turning 50 because she felt that she was nothing. She Mm. didn't want to tell anyone. She didn't want to do anything. And, oh, my God, I was horrified. I mean, this and this is fairly normal, I find, with women. Men as well, but particularly women. They just think because they're 50 um, or turning 50 that they're invisible. So I guess, again, the the motivation for you creating over50stillfabulous.com.au on that site, along with your Facebook and Instagram and all the socials, there, there's positive uh, explanations and there's positive actions that people can take? Absolutely. I think there's so much people can do. As I said before, they need to get out. If they're looking for a job, they need to think outside the box. Don't restrict yourself from doing something. Always have this positive attitude, and I try and deliver that in all the content I do on all the Facebook, Instagram, and my blog, I try and really inspire people to go out and have a go. Don't stop. Louise, you're a positive inspiration, and um, I thank you so much, and I do encourage people to go back and look at that Insight program on ageism. It was absolutely fantastic, and your part of it was uh, the motivation for me giving you a call today, and I I certainly do thank you, and um, also reminiscing on some of the early days of television, the grand days, but I'm not looking backwards, and uh, but I'm looking backwards with love <laughs> and looking forward to the future, and you look after your heart and the rest of your body thank as you. well because you've got to live to 100+. plus. <laughs> absolutely. 
Thank you, Louise. Take care and be well. Thanks, John. I hope you enjoyed our visit with the Louise DeFrancesco. And to learn more, go to Louise's great website, over50stillfabulous.com.au and all the other socials. And we invite you to stay informed with Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the seniors, your life choices. Until next time, this is John Deeg saying thanks for your company. Thank you.